Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And uh, last week we talked about all of the sad and terrible things that are happening in college football for the Pac-12. So we're not going to do that this week. Instead, we're going to go no. back. At, we're going to go back in time and talk about the sad, terrible things that happened to ASU football in 2011. Yeah. However, there were some good things along the way. There's there's going to be some good moments to revisit as well in that season. It wasn't a it wasn't a total downer. Uh, it was a downer at the end. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, a quick, you know, like nothing's happened since last week. A lot of, a lot more rumor, a lot more innuendo. So it's like, uh, for me at least, like we, we can talk about it when things happen. Um, but it, you know, at this point, I'm like, eh, let's just let's get to the games. We're not quite at the games or the preview yet, so let's let's revisit some old stuff. So to give the big picture. Uh, the season ended ASU six and seven, four and five in the South, uh, loss in the Mako Las Vegas or Mako Bowl Las Vegas. Not Mako Bowl Las Vegas, right? Great name. Yes. Yes. Not the Las Vegas Bowl. No, no. Um, yes, that's the end, but let's, let's, let's set the scene for going into the season because there was some optimism like. We'd ended 2010 on a good note. We've Won identified a, of, a quarterback. What's that? We identified a quarterback. Exactly. Yes. You know, Brock had a great game against UCLA coming off the bench. Played okay against Arizona. Not great, but we won. Um, we'd been, you know, I mean, we went through it a few weeks ago when we talked 2010, like how close that season was to, you know, we were very close loss to Wisconsin who went to the Rose Bowl, to Stanford who went to the Orange Bowl, to to Oregon who went to the national championship game. So we were not far away from being a very good team. We, we weren't, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying like, Oh, that's the same thing, but you know, six and six. And it felt like that good things were coming. And this was also the start of the PAC 12, the Colorado and Utah joined the conference. Uh, they were both in our division. Colorado was down. Utah was coming from the mountain West and then add in USC in the off season was declared postseason ineligible. So it felt like, you know, it wasn't a real tough race to potentially win the South and go to the first Pac-12 title game. And that that was kind of the story of the year and certainly becomes the story as the season unfolds. Yeah. So, you know, ASU has what they are known to do. They open with a, a weak 1AA UC Davis. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, I forgot UC Davis. In looking back, at, like, you know, I, we play, you know, NAU a lot. We played Sacramento State and Portland State, and I I did not remember UC Davis as an opponent. But, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's why it was pretty routine. 48-14 to 14 win, take care of business. Didn't tell us much about the season ahead. Yeah, with a, a half-empty Sun Devil Stadium, pre-renovation Sun Devil Stadium. Yes, yes. I believe that was also a night of a Cardinals preseason game, which, you know, so that splits the football audience in town. And I'm pretty sure that was the case because I wasn't at the UC Davis game. I think that was that was my first year working for the Cardinals. I had just gotten hired. Um, and so, yeah, that, you know, it was it was a night that, you know, there wasn't a lot of buzz about. But buzz was coming because the next week brought top 25 Missouri into town and and that game delivered on the drama. It was a great one. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Night game, 
on ESPN. Missouri's number 21 in the country. Game goes to overtime. Yeah. Now, I believe, and and I don't know if I'm right about this, I think this was the first blackout. Black jersey yeah. game where the fans were supposed to wear black and all that. I know we've had a bunch since, but that was very unique at the time. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. I think so, at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, that... Uh, it was a big atmosphere. It felt like uh, it felt like a prove it game for ASU, and and yes, it goes to overtime. And I believe, and I was looking at it earlier, it goes to overtime with us nearly blowing it in regulation. Mm-hmm. I believe we were up thirty to sixteen and give up. And I'm going to confirm this here. Uh, yes, we were up thirty to sixteen with a touchdown early in the fourth. We give up two touchdowns, and then. Missouri goes, gets the ball back and misses what would have been a game-winning field goal with under 20 seconds to go. Yes. And then we go to overtime. Osweiler hits Jamal Miles. Yeah, yeah. Name from the past. A uh, lot of those as I went through this season. A lot of names that you forget. And then because it's college overtime rules and it's fun, Missouri has a chance. They have to score. The Devils hold them out of the end zone. Yeah, four and out. I was I was at that game. I you know I had the, the field pass from having worked with ASU, and I I still have it somewhere. I believe I remember taking some grass from the field because I thought this is a this is a turning point win for ASU. It's a big win, top twenty five opponent, and it's gonna it's gonna spark us to a great season. And for a while, it even though the next week not so much, but for a while it it felt that way. And obviously, you know, we'll get to that. So then. We are ranked a place where ASU yeah. traditionally thrives, sarcastically, he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we travel to Champaign-Urbana to take on the Fighting Illini. My first time getting to see the Devils on the road in quite some time. In an, a, yeah. And I think first time ever in a non-Pac-10 right. Right. situation. But... ASU goes down 10-7 at the end of one, and then nothing happens for yeah, most of I the game. It. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so second and third quarter, I believe, were scoreless, weren't they? Yeah. And then it, yeah. trading touchdowns in the fourth, the Devils lose a game they were favored to win with momentum riding high, 17-14. Yeah, yeah, and it was a game they should have won. I mean, Illinois was not a great team. It was a road game, but, you know. We, we scored early in the fourth to take the lead, and then Brock had a, a sack fumble um, and that, that set them up in good field position. They went down and, and scored a touchdown. The legendary Nathan Shieldhouse uh, threw for the touchdown to first-round pick A.J. Jenkins and put him ahead, and we had a couple of drives after that but couldn't get anything going. Ultimately, the turnover on downs late in the game, that was it. And then... You know, we're back to the realm of the unranked. Yeah, it was a setback. I, I remember it felt like, you know, a classic ASU, like one step forward, one step back. The, the big win over Missouri and, you know, couldn't handle prosperity. Mm-hmm. And then conference season started with big bad USC, who we hadn't beaten since the, you know, millennium changed. USC um, had won the prior 11 meetings. Yeah, yeah, it had been a long time, and I think it had been since 96 that we beat him at home. 
Mm -hmm. the, the magical 96 season, I think, was the last time we beat them at home. And a lot of those were blowouts. You know, they were lopsided contests against really good USC teams. And that felt like another prove-it game. And, and, and it, it went really well. It was, it was a yeah. good night at Sun Devil Stadium. So to walk through what happened, you got your 7 o'clock kick. ASU goes up 7-3 to three at the end of 1. It's 21-9 to nine at halftime. Yeah. Then USC comes out in the third, scores the first 13 points, takes the lead 22-21. And you kind of have that, oh, here we go again. It's going to be a, a second half Absolutely. like from when we were in college. Absolutely, yep, yep. Because they scored on their first two drives. And it was like, you know, here we go. USC owns us uh, more of the same. And, and, you know, but the answer was there. We answered right back with the touchdown, then take the lead, and then dominated straight, the fourth quarter. 22 straight points to end the game for the Devils. 43-22, a comfortable three-touchdown victory. It over was, the it was. It was a thorough beating of a USC team that at the time of the game, it felt like, yeah, well, that USC team isn't great. Don't feel too. But that USC team went on to go 10 and two that mm -hmm. year. They, I remember that was the year they beat Oregon at Autzen late and would have run away with the South, but they did run away with the South, but they weren't eligible for the conference title game. Um, but that was a very good USC team. And, and they only lost two games all year. And I believe their only other loss was an overtime loss to Stanford. I remember right. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that was a a convincing beating of a team that that you know didn't suffer any other convincing beatings. So now, what to make of it? We're ranked again. We're up to number twenty five in the country, and we get the Beavers, classic opponent for a letdown game. And it nearly was. I remember mm -hmm. it was a it was a sluggish start. I believe we were down at the half, or or maybe you know. We had taken the lead, the but half, we were down. It was they were up six nothing at the end of the one. We then hit the gas in the second quarter. Okay, uh, okay and it was twenty one thirteen Devils at the half. Traded touchdowns in the third. A late touchdown for ASU made it thirty five twenty. A convincing victory where you kept a team at arm's length in the second half. Something that ASU is not known for. History. Yeah, it was it was what it was uh, like. It, it it had the potential for a trap loss, sort of like Illinois. Like, can you can you build on prosperity um, this time? No, we were at home, and I think that made a big difference. Um, you know, I think we had. Uh, I'm looking. Brock threw three picks. But Sean Mannion, the quarterback for Oregon State, who's still in the NFL, as mm -hmm. you know, a, a notable fact given that this is more than a decade ago. And Brock uh, is not four in the NFL of his own. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's also notable that Brock is not in the NFL, and he's only 31. Brock is not. No, and, and we'll talk about Brock's NFL career, you know, as a result of this season, because that's one of those things I noticed as, as I went along. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was what uh, a good team is supposed to do, you know, survive a, a tough test. And, and it felt like a mature response, you know, from what happened against Illinois. And then we went on the road, and it was okay. Can we can we take this on the road? Yeah. And the answer was a resounding yes. Uh, it, I mean, initially, really good stuff. So we traveled to Rice Eccles. It's for the first time going to Utah, yeah. as, at least as conference opponents. Maybe played there in the past, but at elevation, afternoon kick on a, a, early October, and yeah. we're up ten seven at the half. But then in the third. 
all of a sudden you start feeling like we're a second half team. We outscore them twenty five to seven. Yeah, it was. I mean, and and if I remember right, they scored on the first possession of the second half, and and it was fourteen ten. And and as I recall the game, it was like, man, we we should have had a better lead at the half. Like we had outplayed them, but we'd let them off the hook a few times. And it, like you know, what are we what are we doing? And then you know, in a game that the opposite happened, you know, ten years later, as we went over a lot about last year. We controlled the rest of that second half. I believe we scored on four straight possessions, a field goal, and, and three touchdowns. And it was one of the best halves of road football that I can remember ASU football playing. Yeah. I mean, it was it was convincing. Uh, you know, we got a field goal to make it 14-13. We force a fumble. We score a touchdown. We intercept them on the first play of the next drive. We go down and score a touchdown again. Uh we get another, you know, turnover, force fumble. We go score a touchdown again. I mean, it was, it was really good football, and it was like, all right, this team has got it. We are, we are cruising to the Pac-12 South at this point. Yeah, and then we, we move up. We're number eighteen in the country. You have a top twenty matchup between College Game Day, the Devils, and the Ducks. Yep, yeah, yeah. We, we were on game day. Might have been the last time we were we were a game day game, unless I'm forgetting something. Uh, I know we've we've only had it once at home. That was 2005. Yeah. No, am I, think, I forgetting one that we had since on the road? No, I think you're right. Um, we but, were on it in 07, I believe, as well when we went mm-hmm. to Austin. And then yeah, 2011, it was the game day game, and and you know they were the defending conference champs they'd been to the title game national title game the year before they were number 9 and, in the country going into the game yeah and and they had they had lost the season opener that year to LSU but they had won every game since and and were really good and and you know we lost the game but i remember we were we were very competitive in the game well we were we had up, opportunities we were up 14-7 at the end of one we were only down 21-17 at the half and then it was kind of typical ASU against Oregon like they just kind of played with us we you know we were we got outscored 14-7 in the third and six to three in the fourth but it's one of those things where like we were in the game that yeah that, we were that field yeah, goal is a yeah. touchdown and, and we're I, I remember it. it being a very frustrating loss in a way because I felt like we could have won we had we had an early lead in the second half we scored on the first drive of the second half to go up by three and it just uh, and and that was I didn't remember this, but I read it in a recap. Lamichael James was out; he was hurt. He got he had gotten hurt the week before, didn't play, and it felt like it was a chance for us. And we just uh, we missed some opportunities. I remember it was it was the second half that frustrated me in the moment. But when it was all said and done, after a few days, you thought, you know, all right, no no harm done. That's probably the best team in the conference, if not you know either one or two with Stanford at that point. Um, and, you know, we lost on the road, but no big deal. We're 5-2. We're 5-2. and two. We're five and two. Yeah, 5-2, okay. one conference loss, still in very good position to, you know, win a division and have a chance to win the conference at yeah. the end of the year. So then we get the Buffaloes, first Pac-12 matchup for these schools. Yeah. And no letdown here. Boat race. 21 nothing at the end do. of one. Yeah. <laughs> But Colorado was bad, mm-hmm. and we'd had a. We, I think that we had the bye, if I recall. Yeah. We had the bye between Oregon and Colorado, and it was like, all right, you know, 
lick your wounds, come back. We we get a nice big fat win. Like you say, you know, it was what twenty one nothing at the end of one, thirty one seven at the half. No problem. Easy win over a bad team. And end of October, six and two, four and one. We're leading the division. And it's it's all but done if we win the next game. The next game's at UCLA, who at that point was really the only threat to go to the title game instead of us. We're number and 20 in the country. Yeah, they already had two conference losses. If we beat them, then they have three, and we have head-to-head, and it's done. I mean, it, as, as I mean, I don't think it was going to be mathematically clinched, I recall, but it was basically, we win that game, and it would take, you know, disaster of epic proportions to not go to the title game. It's odd that you would say disaster of epic proportions, uh, because this game was a loss, but it was not the last loss. No, it wasn't the last <laughs> loss, but it was. But it, it was, was the defining loss. Yeah. It really was. It was a game that that uh, it was close for most of it, but we took a you know we we go ahead twenty eight twenty three in the fourth, mm-hmm. and then. And, and I had forgotten exactly how this happened, but we go at 28-23, ensuing kickoff, they fumble. Give us the ball at the 27-yard line for, you know, inside of seven minutes to go in the game at that point. And up by five. A field goal do anything. is huge. Field goal, field goal makes it eight. We don't do anything, but we're at the 20, 37-yard field goal. And a name that we haven't mentioned yet, but we're going to mention a lot in this game and the next. Alex, Alex Garut who was supposed to be a great kicker and didn't turn out to be, and he misses that 36-yarder. And then UCLA gets the ball back, but at the ASU 39, it's third and 29. We're in great position. We're going to get a stop. We're good. And we gave up a 33-yard completion on that play, and they go ahead and score a touchdown to go up by one. They missed the two point. We don't do anything to. Well, we overcome. did do something. Well, we don't overcome. Don't forget. Sorry. We go down and this yeah. is another field goal as time yeah. expires. A 46 yarder this time. Tougher yeah. one. But nonetheless, we go down with less than a minute to go. We get in range and Garut misses the field goal. So two misses inside the last six minutes plus a third and 29 conversion allowed. And instead of a huge win, we lose 29 28. So now we fall to six and three. The South is up for grabs, but we're playing Washington State, and that you know this is not good. Washington State. This no. This now was is, this was this Leach already? I believe. I think it was, wasn't it? Was it year one of Leach? So let's see. Well, Connor Halliday was the quarterback, and he threw for. 494 yards. Uh, no, so this, was like this was Wolf. This was Paul Wolf. Paul Wolf? Yeah. Leach really? was hired okay. after the season. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I knew they weren't a great team. They came into the game 3-6. and six. But it was a, you know, November trip to Pullman, which, you know, isn't exactly Corvallis for us, but it's still a tough place to go. Yeah. And uh, it was another but one. Versus Network uh, in front of 27,000 screaming fans Network. on the wow. Palouse. That takes you back. Um, yeah. No, seriously. And and uh, 
we had the lead. I mean, we were, uh, you know, we didn't play well, but we're up 27-23 going to the fourth. We give up a touchdown, but it's okay because we mount a great drive. We come down. We're inside the five. We kick a field goal to tie the game. 21-yarder. Missed. No. And then we give up a long touchdown drive, and we're down 10, and that's it. We, we get the ball back, fumble it on the kick return. At that point, game was pretty much over anyway. Mm-hmm. And a bitter defeat sends us to a second straight loss, second straight game that Alex Garut really had hanging on his head, as well as a defensive meltdown, which continues in the next two. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's just the, the problems started to really flare at this point. And we weren't out of it yet because UCLA wasn't good. But yeah. the quitting on the season, especially on the defensive side of the ball, really Full commenced effect. after this game. So because of scheduling quirks and trying to work out the kinks in the Pac-12, we don't get our traditional Thanksgiving game against Arizona, Thanksgiving weekend. We play a week early. Right. At this point, the Wildcats are a robust 2-8. and 2-8, and eight, yeah. Yeah, on the way to firing Mike Stoops, if they hadn't already. Yeah. He might have already been fired midseason. They they had they were coming off of a 14... Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm misreading that. A 19-point loss at Colorado. Traveling to Sun Devil Stadium, Territorial Cup on the line. And... And, and to quick quick note, Stoops had already been fired. He got fired after six games that year. So interim coach Arizona with with nothing on the line except, you know, pride, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you can go back and look, but we were actually up at one point 24-17. 27-17. I'm sorry. Early in the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Matt, you alluded to this, the defense quit. What what did you mean by that? Uh, I mean it was so, so that was a game I was at. I I went to it twenty seven seventeen and and you know we give up a, a long touchdown drive make it twenty seven twenty four, but on that drive, I think maybe on the play that that they scored, Nick Foles gets hurt. So they had you know this was a bad Arizona team, but they had Foles. You know, um, Foles gets hurt, comes out of the game, doesn't come back. We don't do anything. You know, so we're up we're up three. At that point, we get the ball back. We uh, turn it over on downs at the 39-yard line. And Bryson Burney comes in. And, and so I, I misspoke. Foles actually started the next drive, got hurt, I think, on the first play. We give up a long run. And then Bryson Burney, and tell me if you remember that name. I did not. I do, but I don't think very many people do, uh, throws the go-ahead touchdown pass to Jerron Kreiner. And we fall behind. But then we had a couple chances. We have a drive, get down to the 23, Brock gets intercepted. We get another stop. We get down to the 15, and Brock throws incomplete as time expired into the end zone. We lose. We are now midway through our season-ending losing streak. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, I think, I could be wrong, I think that sealed that we could not win the South. Yeah. I think at that point, UCLA was a game ahead of us with the head-to-head. So in spite of the loss to UCLA, we had, you know, other chances 
to get right back on top. And, you know, fourth quarter leads lost in Pullman and lost in, in Tempe to, to Arizona cost us. And, and then it's followed by probably one of the more embarrassing defensive performances in the season finale, regular season finale. I mean, it's not, it's not at the level of 20, whatever year, what year was it that we didn't allow Arizona and Tucson? Is that 16? Yeah. When we, when we didn't allow, or they didn't attempt to pass. pass and they still beat us. They still scored on every possession, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was probably the worst defensive game I think I've ever seen ASU play. But this was close to the probably the second worst. If I if my memory is not failing me on another horrible one, because this was not a good Cal team. Yeah, I mean this was not vintage Cal with you know Javon Best and Deshaun Jackson and oh they had you know weapons all over the place. Uh, this was Zach Maynard was the quarterback. And they did have Keenan Allen and Marvin Jones, their receivers, two good, good receivers, but still not a good team. And, and, uh, they scored 47 points on us. And, uh, I mean, it was, we could not stop them. We, no. we had every chance to stop them and couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, somehow we were up 28, 27 at the half. Yeah. Um, shootout. I mean, again, our offense was, was good all year. Really yeah. was the Illinois game wasn't at, you know, 14 points, yeah. but you know, for the most part, our offense moved the ball. This was, you know, Brock set the single season school record for passing yards. I think Jarrell Robinson had one of the most prolific receiving seasons in school history. You know, Mazzoni was the coordinator. We were we were good offensively, uh, but the defense just just fell apart, just quit. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the game that Vontez got pulled. Vontez got a penalty. I know that's a shocker and got pulled from the game and kind of had a fit on the sidelines. And it was just, I mean, meltdown was fully on at that point. Yeah. So you, you already knew that the, the team was quitting on the season, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, very much. Uh, I believe Dennis was fired before the bowl game, but coached the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where we decided to no show against the number eight Boise State Broncos. Yeah, uh, was, that was one of the most predictable bowl game results I could ever remember. I remember you and I did our you know bowl picks on ESPN, and you had to do the confidence level. And I did not hesitate for one second to make that my highest confidence level that Boise would win. And I was not wrong. Boise was a good team. They were motivated. They were, you know, pissed that they were sent to the Vegas Bowl. They were a top ten team that should have gone to a bigger game. But I was that the year was that TCU when uh, they went. I believe Andy so. Dalton. I think or no, Dalton was already Dalton was drafted that year. I don't know who it was. They didn't get the 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 extra spot. Maybe that was before there was an extra spot, so maybe no one got it, if I recall. Um, but yeah, they were pissed. They had Kellen Moore. Uh, that was a good team, and we were absolutely not invested yeah chris peterson yes yeah yeah that's right i mean that was a really i think they had the two receivers yeah and you were right they lost um, they lost the mountain west to tcu okay so tcu must have gone to the whatever the championship game was or whatever yeah yeah i mean that was post dalton maybe that was trevon boykin to go for dalton i don't know dalton was in the 2011 draft so he wasn't in that game but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that was a uh, that was a you know 
it was just a beat down. I mean, and and now again, that was a really good Boise team. They probably could have beaten most teams, and they happened to get a team that just did not care. Montez, I don't believe played at all, or maybe played like one series and then just quit. There were, you know, reports of everything, you know, from Sodom and Gomorrah type stuff that went on in Vegas with that team because Dennis was fired but was still the coach. And he was already not the most enforcer coach. Right, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it was, uh, you know, it's a trip that, like, had there been cameras rolling would make for a great, you know, 30 for 30 probably with some of the things that happened on that trip. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, non-competitive. Uh, I remember Brock got, got to 4,000 yards. They left him in on purpose yeah. so that he could get to 4,000 yards and be the first in school history to do that. Um, and yeah. still is the only one, I believe. Uh, you know, so that was yeah. the only positive that came out of that game. Yeah, Boise State, for some background, was a 13-point favorite, wound up winning by 20, or I'm sorry, by 32. Uh, they have, are you looking at the, the box score? I I'm, don't have it up. I'm on the Wikipedia page. The MVP was Doug Martin. Doug Martin. See, he was, so he was a first round pick at running back. Mar, uh, Moore was the quarterback. And I think that was when they had Titus Young and, and, um, Austin Pettis, if I'm remembering the name right, or Dante. It might've, no, I think it was Austin. Dante yeah. was his brother and went to Washington. Yeah. I and mean, yeah. that was a really good team. They had, and they, you know, they probably had some good players on defense too, if you went and looked, um, but yeah, they were they were really good, and you know we were. Yeah, well, it was they, a game that they, if it had been played in October, we might have been competitive. But at that point, we had no interest in being competitive. Yeah, the uh, the game started with a Doug Martin hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay. Uh, Kellen Moore touchdown pass to Tyler Shoemaker. Kellen Moore touchdown pass to Matt Miller. Alex Garut field goal. Matt Miller, trick play, pass to Kyle Efaw. All right. Uh, Rashad Ross, 98-yard kickoff return with 15 seconds uh, okay. in, you know, to go. Yeah. Make it 28-10. Then, interception by Boise State, returned 100 yards for a touchdown, so we allowed two 100-yard plays. Wow. I forgot about that. Uh, DJ Harper, four-yard touchdown run. Boise State fumble recovery, return 26 yards by Travis Stanaway, touchdown. Then, well, then we really turned it around. Jarrell Robinson connects with Brock, make it 49-17. Yeah. Doug Martin with the icing touchdown with 224 left. But, you know, we might as well try to make it look competitive on the scoreboard. So ASU drives down in two minutes, 75 yards, and seven plays for a meaningless touchdown. Yeah, and I believe that was Brock was still in. Oh, Brock and threw I, that touchdown. I think that was done on purpose. To George Bell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, if I recall, they were going to take him out, and uh, a certain you know, employee that I know who shall remain nameless, who worked in the sports information office, reminded the coaches that he should stay in, and they listened to him. And he ended up setting the single-season school record for passing yards. In a season that didn't need that record set. Uh, no, but you know what? Hey, I don't mind that at all. Uh, because, you know, there wasn't there wasn't much good in that season as, as the end. And, you know, the record book is the record book. You know, like we sometimes like, oh, well, but, nah. You know, he threw for more yards in a season than any ASU quarterback. And, by God, he deserves to take pride in that. Fair. 
Okay, you convince me. That's my thought. Like, why not? It's a bowl game. Uh, you know, if you're if you're within shouting distance, go for it. You weren't going to win anyway. What was the point? You know, and at that point, remember, it was a shoe in that Brock was coming back for his senior year. I felt that way at least. Yeah. Look, he'd had a full year. It wasn't as strong. He'd had a he'd had a very good you know statistical year. Um, you know, again, I mean, the meltdown was was in large part due to defense and special teams. I mean, in, in well, those no, four straight I, losses to end the year, we scored, you know, 28 plus point or 27, 28, uh, you know, 30. And, you know, I mean, we scored enough points to win those games and could not get stops, could not make field goals. Uh, yeah. that would have, you know, iced games, won games, whatever. Um, so, I, you know, he had a good year, but it at that point was not even on the radar that he was going to not be back for a senior year. No. What? Why would you think that we're, you know, about to get Kevin Sumlin to be our head coach? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, then uh, of, of the University of Houston, Kevin yeah. Sumlin, when he was a when hot he was shot rising up and comer. Yeah, uh, we were going to get Kevin Sumlin. Then I believe we had secured June Jones. In that a, was always the report. In yeah, a non-exciting, you know, it's one of those. Only a few people know the real story there. And none of them, you know, can be counted on to tell the truth, basically. But, yeah, it was supposedly all but done, and then it wasn't done. And then out of nowhere, Todd Graham of Pittsburgh gets mm-hmm. the job. Todd Graham with his one season at Pittsburgh after he left Tulsa. Yeah, uh, yeah. Immediately besmirched as a job chaser, gonna <laughs> yeah. not loyal <laughs> program jumper. Right, right. You know, the story of not informing the players he was leaving at Pitt, which, you know, there was truth to that. It wasn't 100% how it was reported, but it was mostly true. Um, and, yeah, you know, so so this is before we started recording, I said, you know, the one thing I think about with this season as I look back at it was just the the butterfly effect. Like, if we win that UCLA game, doesn't it feel like so much is different? Like, the, not even the rest of the season, but we probably go to the conference title game. Dennis probably doesn't get fired, which means no Todd Graham, which means no Brock leaving, which means maybe no Taylor Kelly ever starting for us or playing for us. Maybe no DJ Foster ever playing here. Maybe no Marion Grice. Probably no Marion Grice. Probably no Marion I mean, Grice. Probably no... So many. I, I mean, any of the guys from the... Texas, Louisiana, yeah, recruiting exactly. You know, exactly. Jalen Strong. I think it's questionable that we would get him because that right, you know, right. He was in Pennsylvania when Graham saw him at Pitt. Right, right. Yeah. You know, so I mean, so much of, and it's and it's one of those that like, I remember when we talked about two thousand five as a what if year with the LSU loss and the USC loss, and you could say what if like. Man, if those games had gone different, that maybe is a great season. And who you know, this isn't so much a what if in the sense of like, oh, the program would have been so much better off. I don't know that it. I mean, Dennis staying, he probably would have you know hit you know a, a rough patch again in 2012 or 13 and gotten fired. But it's just interesting to think like all the stuff that happened because of because of that. Like, I, I feel like if we beat UCLA, we don't lose the last three. Maybe we don't run the table. 
I don't know that, you know, we weren't but we that probably good. probably just, you know, phone it in on, against Arizona. Exactly. And Cal, too. I mean, like, maybe. And, and, you know, Washington State wasn't any good. Like, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not sure we run the table, but I bet you we win two out of three. And we're, you know, at that point, we'd be, what, nine and three, eight and four, maybe at worst, mm-hmm. going to the conference title game. We'd mm-hmm. probably get beat. You know, I mean, we but, go to Oregon. Yeah, I'm sure we but we'd beat. probably avoid the Vegas Bowl, therefore yeah, avoid Boise. Yeah, you know, and, and you feel like there's progress. We went from, you know, if that happens, we went from four wins in 09 to six and 10 to eight or nine in 2011. We have a quarterback coming back who had a really good year. He's coming back for a senior year. We got an offense that had gone from moribund in, you know, 08 and 09 to better in 2010 and pretty darn good in 2011. And you're thinking, all right. We're trending. And again, it's just, like I said, I'm not saying 2012 would have been the year we went to the Rose Bowl or, you know, anything like that. I don't think we probably would have. But, you know, you just think like, there's, I mean, all the people that became so relevant in ASU fan world, Todd Graham, Mike Norvell, uh, Taylor Kelly, DJ Foster, Marion Grice, Jalen Strong, maybe none of those guys are at ASU. Yeah. Or playing for ASU. Taylor Kelly was already here, but it, you know, yeah. Taylor Kelly's not the starter if Dennis and Mazzoni stay. No chance. No, they Rock's brought the him in to be a filler. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I mean, he, you know, and probably Burko is the heir apparent. I mean, he was thought to be the heir apparent at that point. You know, so it's uh, it's just interesting. It's one of those, you know, unbelievable what ifs. If Alex Garut makes one of those two field goals that night in the Rose Bowl. What happens after that? And mm-hmm. and what did happen as a result of him not making either one? Yeah. It, yeah. It is a definite interesting thing. I mean, I will go so far as to say from, you know, we're kind of getting to see the reverse of it now. Of yeah. a player's coach, lame duck, team appeared to quit. <laughs> you know, staff certainly has quit. I, I shouldn't say the team appeared to quit. The, the a number of players have left. Uh, right, right. You know, it's, yeah, that's true. The guys it's, who I mean, are here a, are still saying all the right world. things. Yeah, you know, the, it's not that the guys here have quit on the team. It's more that right that uh, right. the guys who quit on the team have left. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, there there are similarities between 2011 and 2021. Not exact. You know, 21 we did. We didn't we fall more. apart completely at the end. Yeah. We won eight games and, you know, it wasn't a complete collapse, but similarities in the sense that it felt like both years felt like going in, it, it, it had the chance to be a very good season, win the division, do something notable. And about the halfway point felt like it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and a road game, you know, second half debacle, uh, not in the same format, you know, the road game was at Utah and it was a complete demolition in the second half rather than, you know, an anguished loss because of two missed field goals. But, you know, neither team really recovered from that moment. Yeah. And as a result, both seasons kind of, you know, again, I know 2021 we went 8-4 and, and, you know, so you think, well, you know, like outside of outside of the really great years in ASU, you know, Pac-10, 12 history, there aren't that many you know eight and four is pretty darn good yeah um but it was just such an underwhelming eight and four um 2011 was more appropriate like six and six felt right for how underwhelming that season finished yeah 
and a bowl loss. Yes, yes. You know, but both ended with losses in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Different stadiums, different opponents, obviously. But uh, same thing. But, of course, the big difference, no coaching change mm-hmm. uh, in spite of maybe many wanting one. But same head coach. Uh, we do have a, a quarterback that left unexpectedly. So that's that's similar. Uh, you know, Brock, Brock uh, left for the draft. Jaden Daniels says he's coming back and then transfers. So, you know, there's in some ways it feels like we're in a time warp, right? Like, yeah. you know, similar stuff. But in other ways, the key ways, 2012 felt like a fresh start. Yeah. You know, felt like we were getting a new coach, new quarterback. Like, all right, let's see where this goes. And in 2022, at this point, does not feel like a fresh start at all. It feels like just buying our time till we get to that fresh start. Well, and also you've got the, you know, the conference is expanding. Now we're in a lame joke situation where we know the conference is shrinking. So um, different, so different with that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, I mean, you and know, so it's like the, you the just, future is so much more unknown right now. It feels like on on every front for ASU. Yeah, it's uh, it feels bleak. I, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel great. Um, you know, but hey, soon enough we're what is it? Uh, seven weeks from tomorrow is our opening game. Yeah, it's coming. So. You know, soon enough, we'll find out what this team has. We've, you know, as we transition out of the 2011 talk, I guess, we kind of are, um, you know, like we've spent a lot of time wringing our hands about what this season's going to be. And neither of us is bubbling with optimism, I know. And I don't think very many ASU fans are. Only the only the most naive of naive ASU fans are feeling great about what's ahead. But, you know, none of it really matters once you start playing. And and maybe there's something in this team that will surprise us. Maybe they'll navigate a tough early stretch and take advantage of probably a fairly average conference, I would say, beyond the top two or three, and find their way to a you know a six seven win season and surprise us. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, as I say that, maybe not. six seven wins being surprising is kind of depressing. Yeah. That's for sure true. Um, so I guess now, if if anyone listened and made it through this, we'll we'll talk about some uh, other sports news. I, I saw that sure. uh, the live golf uh, people are just being excoriated uh, in, in the most in the most passive of ways by by we're just honoring the guys. By yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the. I mean, it's it's uh, the, the major associations have been kind of quiet on this. I mean, all this really picked up, especially in between the PGA and U.S. Open. So the Masters and the PGA haven't really had to weigh in at all. Um, the USGA kind of punted, um, and the RNA has come out a little bit, a little bit more vociferous, um, you know, than than the USGA did, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, I got that's okay. I mean, you know, the whole, like not inviting Greg Norman, you know, you, you make your bed, you sleep in it. No one made Greg Norman do this. And, you know, sometimes you, there's consequences to your actions. Mm -hmm. He he did this, he's taken a ton of money. Uh, and, and so if the RNA doesn't want him there, you know, waving the flag for this, you know, Saudi golf tour, that's their prerogative. Mm -hmm. They didn't strip him of the titles. I don't think they should do that. 
you yeah. know, I, I mean, I'm no, I'm yeah. never in favor of like erasing someone from history, but erasing someone from the present is a different story. Yeah. Well, and you have, you know, Tiger Woods made his first, uh, expansive public comments about yeah. what happened, which, you know, I, I thought they were measured, but very pro PGA. Oh yeah. And it wasn't a surprise. I mean, he had, he had said he declined before, to go, but yeah, he was stronger now that it's a reality, I think. Yeah. I mean, he was at the P when he was at the PGA, he, you know, made it clear his, his allegiance and affiliation with the PGA tour. And, you know, but I, I do wonder if he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, not wanting to really pound the table because he's, he's not a full-time player anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's probably a little disingenuous of him to say, you know, you need to be out on tour and you need to play it. You know, like he can't, he's more um, talking about the opportunity so, to do that is gone. And, yeah. And, yeah, that, you, know, you know, the, the more open willingness to talk about the hypocrisy of it yeah. all, you know, I think is, you know, Everyone talked about one of the things that the PGA has is allies. Well, right, ESPN right. has certainly not shied away from, you know, the stories with the focus being, well, these guys who took the money and are playing less are, sure. you know, let's not pretend like they're doing it to draw interest in golf for the sanctity of the sport. They did it for exactly. money, you know, exactly. and ESPN is like, not. sure. We'll yeah. Just... yeah. So. I thought that I was interesting. I agree. Um, also noteworthy just because of who they are uh, and how it works. But uh, I saw 10 Royals are not making the trip to Toronto due to lack of vaccination. Saw that. I it's saw that, yes. Comfortably the most of any team. The, the previous high was four players. This one is 10. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wish that had been disclosed before I set my weekly fantasy lineup with Whit Merrifield in it, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, it happens. You know, we're hey, we we all make we all make choices with our fantasy lineups. I'm, that's right. That's right. I'm yes, only human. Yes. No, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, now the you know Royals aren't you know relevant, obviously. I guess, but it's it's notable for the number. Um, and on that same front, and we don't, you know, not that either of us are tennis guys, but apparently, you know, Novak Djokovic isn't going to be allowed to play the U.S. Open. Yeah. That's kind of an uh, eye-opener. I did not realize that, I guess. I, you know, I don't follow it that much, but unless the unless the rules change. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. But um, back to baseball, uh, you know, on a, on a different front, any, any thoughts on the All-Star selections? Anything you're hopping mad about happy about whatever um i so i'll i'll start small i i wish devin williams would have been named hater's replacement when hater announced he was gonna because i don't know if you followed any of this but hater has twice had to miss time uh for paternity first because oh, his okay. first because his wife had a very difficult pregnancy and he needed to like stay back in Milwaukee because they weren't sure what was going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then second, after she gave birth, he took the paternity that he got, but he basically okay. announced like, Hey, look, I, I really appreciate it, but I want the break. Well, Devin, gotcha. Devin Williams's ERA is lower 
uh, and his strikeout rate is as high and all these things. Yeah. And, and he's on the the short list of potential replacements, but they didn't give it to him. So now the Brewers will only have one guy, Corbin okay. Burns. Um, okay. Although they could still have other replacements. I mean, they, can there yeah. be, have they, they named like replacements for guys, the starters who won't go or whatever, the, the they, starting pitchers? They have not yet, but that's starting to come out. And, I, and look, I think okay. it's likely Williams gets it. But that one, to yeah. me, it's like, the key to the Brewers' whole pitching staff is the eighth inning is Devin Williams and the ninth inning is Josh right. Hader. Gotcha. And gotcha. so if, yeah. if Josh Hader can't make it and you get to make a replacement, it just seemed like, to me, sure, sure. pick Devin Williams. But Makes sense. I get you. Broader, uh, I love Pujols and Cabrera getting Yeah, in. so I was going to ask you about that. I, I, I like that, too. I, I think it my, – my initial reaction was that I thought it was a little tacky when I first heard about it. And then I thought, you know, like that's what the All-Star game is supposed to be for yeah. is celebrating your great – your big-name guys. And, and it's, it's an All-Star game. It's, it's, you know, like it's nothing that needs to be taken too seriously. It now doesn't count for anything, which is great. Um, and, and, you know, baseball doesn't do a good enough job of, of – pumping up their stars and making guys stars. And so I, I think that's a, a small step in the right direction for that. Yeah. So for me, it, it's very simple. The all-star game is an exhibition and it's supposed to be right. fun. And we right. obviously got away from that for a decade, but we're back to it now. Right. And one of the, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Pete Rose, crashing into Ray Fossey's, uh, you know, the thing you sure. were talking about. But to me, one of the indelible all-star game memories is Chanho Park grooving a fastball <laughs> for Cal Ripken to Cal Homer Ripken. and then yep. A-Rod pushing Ripken over to short uh, right. and playing third so that Ripken could be at short. Like, that that's right. what the all-star game's for. Barry Bonds lifting up Torrey Hunter when Torrey he robbed Hunter. him of the Homer. I was Homer. thinking of that, too. Yep, yep. You know, just give... Give me this. Put, you know, put Pujols in it first. If he wants to wear, dot, you know, a Cardinals stuff, uh, but give a nod to the Dodger fans by like switching to a Dodger hat because of the run he had with them last sure. year. Sure. I don't care. If you want to put Miggy on the NL team and let him wear a Marlins <laughs> old, you know, old Florida Marlins old gear, F yeah. with the yeah. fish Marlins hat. I'm I agree. Fine with that. I agree. Like, yeah, it, it, I think it's cool. You know, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, now I'll say this: there, neither of those guys has said 100 percent they're retiring at the end of the year. Have they? Pujols did. Pujols has Pujols announced did. he's okay. retired. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe you know, so he hasn't, but the it's fairly assumed he is. I thought. Yeah, this is the last year of his contract, and okay, people seem to think he's not going to do what Pujols is doing and go on a retirement Which is tour go somewhere else. Yeah, so. I mean, my thought is this, like, I like it as a one-time deal. If Miguel Cabrera comes back next year, then, you know, make him earn his way into the game. I don't I don't necessarily want, like, you know, a three-year retirement oh, no, tour no, no, for no. someone as I, an all-star. I'm with you on that. I What I want this to be is, one, when you think a guy is going to be retiring, or if a guy, yeah. like, Cabrera just had, uh, you know, his 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, it's, like, right. yeah, that's fine. That that guy deserves to be it. But what I don't want it to turn into is, you know, some pretty good guy. Like, this is for guys who, they're a Hall of Famer. We don't need to have a discussion about it. We don't need to wonder. I agree. 
you know, this is, you know, and these two guys meet that category. If uh, I would say so for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if let's say Mariano Rivera or somebody like had had it, let's say Rivera had had a bad year the, the yeah. last year he was, you know, had blown six saves and had been moved <laughs> right, to the seventh right, inning. Right. You, you still put that guy in. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But it should be reserved for that. We, I hope they don't get into a, we got to have one from every league every year because then you start to water. You're going to start to take guys who aren't what you're saying. No. They're just good players who've been around for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years, but they're not Hall of Famers. They're not legends. Like, if you ask me who I would like to have seen for something like this, um, what the Twins did Joe Mauer's last game, where they put him back right. behind the plate and everyone agreed, we're not swinging. It's one pitch. They'll, they'll throw <laughs> right. a ball. That's the deal. Something like that. Uh, or a guy who had a career where you didn't realize it was over and it was over. Uh, I'm thinking Dustin Pedroia, David Wright. Guys who yeah, were all-stars, yeah, yeah. MVPs, who all of a sudden they, they just couldn't come back. They got hurt and could never come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a... I think it's a cool thing. Um, you know, like I said, my initial reaction was to kind of roll my eyes when I heard about it. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, gosh, it's, it's an all-star game. It's supposed to be fun. Um, and okay. You know, like it's, it's a cool deal. There's not a lot of, I mean, as we've discussed, you know, baseball is kind of lacking in big star names. Mm -hmm. And so if you got to pump up your old stars a little bit in the all-star game, do it. You know, I mean, maybe they maybe they give the shine to a guy in the All Star game who isn't a big star right now, but maybe he will be. Yeah. You know, maybe it's it's sort of like a wrestler, you know, putting someone over. You know, maybe somebody, you know, uh, I mean, they're not pitchers, but you know, maybe a pitcher strikes out Pujols, and it's like, ah, you know, I want to watch that guy, and he ends up. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But you know, like, hey, it it can't hurt, I suppose. Yeah. They didn't take anybody's spot. Oh, it's yeah. just an extra spot. Well, no. and the other thing is, if the game mattered, you'd be annoyed. I'd be annoyed right. if the NL put in Pujols to hit for somebody. But now, I I hope whoever the NL, even if it's Corbin Burns, the, the one Brewer representative, if they decide, hey, you're throwing a 90-mile-an-hour straight as you can throw it fastball to Miguel Cabrera. Sure. Fine. Great. Do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, yeah. And look, I, I and no if he flies out, that, he flies out. But if he gets all of it, good. That's the sure. point. It's a show. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I I think it's a good deal. Uh, you know, I, I was I was glad uh, Clayton Kershaw made it. That was that was cool to see, mm -hmm. um, especially with the, being at Dodger Stadium. I, so I, how do you the feel pitcher in the NL, but I'd love to see him be the starter. I was going to ask you, cool. how do you feel about the Gonsolin, Alcantara, Kershaw debate that seems to be the only baseball debate people have now, I guess? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, again, so Kershaw's not the best pitcher in the National League. No. So it's sort of the same argument we just made about the Cabrera Pools. Pools is certainly not an all-star level player anymore. Cabrera's had a decent year, yeah. but I don't think he's an all-star player anymore, really. If you just objectively look at it, no. But it's fun. And, you know, as much as Tony Gon yeah, Tony Gonsolin's a Dodger pitcher, and, you know. And he's 11 and now. <laughs> you know, and yes, he had a great year. They're not where they are without him. I mean, he's been great. 
and he deserves to be an all-star. But, you know, would it be a cooler moment, I believe, to start the game to see Clayton Kershaw on the mound in the first inning? Yeah. yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe you Shohei Otani leads off for the AL and, yeah. and you have that, you know, to start the game. Like, that's cool. Like, that's something that people, I think, would be like, oh, yeah, I want to see that moment. Yeah. I, I I think they need to do whatever they can to get Otani versus Kershaw or Otani versus Gonsolin. Right. You know. Right. You know, I mean, Otani's a big star and a unique, obviously, player. And, in a, you know, an L.A. guy, too, uh, for now. An yeah. L.A. guy. Um, you know, so it's like, yeah, you know, lean into it. Make it make it fun because baseball's been, you know, lacking some fun the last handful of years. It, you know, it, it takes itself too seriously sometimes. Like, the All-Star Game's a perfect opportunity to show maybe you're not going to do that night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a... And plus, I mean, who knows with Kershaw, like, you know, this might be his last All-Star Game. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's hurt all the time. Uh, you know, how many chances is he going to get to continue to pitch in an all-star game? Maybe a couple more, but also very possibly no more. Yeah. Well, and you let, you know, you just, it's, it's an exhibition game. Right. 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 I mean, in the same way you said, you know, the Cabrera and Pools are Hall of Famers. I think Kershaw's a pretty unquestioned Hall of Famer. For sure. At this point, you know, I mean, given what pitchers are now. Yeah, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to get to 300 wins or, or probably even 200. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no pitcher is. So, you know, I think based on his career, multiple Cy Youngs, a, a top of the line starter for a decade plus, yeah. you know, that's a Hall of Famer in today's game. It's uh, him and, Tim, I, you know, the argument against him is Tim Lincecum. Yeah. yeah, but I think he's got better longevity than Lincecum. I I uh, agree. I mean, he's had agree. a much There's better track nature, record. But but just the when you look at the measurable one year accolades, you know, sure, Cy sure. Youngs, Cy Youngs, and the like, yeah, and, and World Series postseasons, you know, because Lincecum has those too. He does. He does. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it was shorter. Kersh- I mean, Kershaw for sure. I agreed. Yeah. I mean, Kershaw is a three-time Cy Young winner. So he's got. You know what? I said he wasn't going to get to two hundred wins. He's got one hundred ninety-one. But he mm-hmm. probably will get to two hundred. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll he'll never get anywhere close to three hundred. But again, no one will in in today's world. So um, three times. Lincecum won two Cy Youngs. Is that right? Two Cy Youngs, three right? World Series. I think. Two Cy Youngs, three World Series. Although by the by the third last he was, one, yeah. he was he was a role player. Yeah. But it'll say um, three three time champion. Yeah, true, his... true. You know, I mean, you know, but yeah, four time All Star. Kershaw's got what? How many All Star games? I mean, Kershaw's the Nine. better pitcher. I just it's, yeah, yeah. Kershaw's it, got an MVP too. Yeah, which goes a long way. The yeah, thing I mean, that you know that's so rare. The thing that Lincecum loses out on is he was he retired too early from the transitional pitcher today he did like he he was still getting compared to the mucinas and the shillings right 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 yeah. you know yeah well and, and he i mean he only finished like i know number of wins isn't as only 110 wins yeah i mean that's not that you know like it's just it's probably not enough but 
I, you know, I don't know. You're right, though. I mean, like, as time goes on and starting pitching becomes more and more devalued, like, is he a guy that maybe five years from now his Hall of Fame candidacy looks stronger than it does right now? I think so. I, he's the Could sort be. of person who, when they, you know, with this new modern era, he's someone who I think could get revisited. I could see that too. Yeah, yeah. That that like his his numbers start to look more impressive because, I mean, he was a top of the line starter from basically '08 through '13. I mean, six years in a row, he he started thirty plus games. He won double-digit games seven years in a row. Uh, you know, two Cy Youngs, big part of a couple World Series teams at least. Like, yeah, I mean, he could, you know, like football players, it happens with them too, where it's like, you know, 15 years in, you're like, you know, that guy's pretty good. That could be the case here too. Yeah. Um, but no, overall, uh, I'm, I, I don't have any big – all-star feelings. I I didn't really. Yeah. I mean, I know there were some people, you know, like, Oh, this guy was a snub or whatever. I'm like, it, it, I'm sure that's true, but, but there's gotta be a cutoff somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. like you can't, you can't have, you know, 72 guys on each roster. Yeah. Uh, so like, eh, you know, some guys get left out. It stinks. There'll well, be replacements for some of them anyway. So yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned, which I think, you know, there aren't stars and there's nothing to talk about. Well, good. Snubs is, you know, they're talking about you. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I will say, I mean, and I, you know, I, I follow baseball, but I don't follow it as closely as you do. I don't think, um, you know, there were guys, I saw Jeff Passan tweeted a list of guys, like, you know, list of like 10 guys he thought should have made it. And a couple of them, I don't know what team they play for. And, and, you know, now that's on me as much as it is. Any, I mean, I'm not saying it's anybody's fault, but it's just like I, can't, I have a hard time getting worked up about guys that I couldn't even tell you what team they play for. Well, and that, I mean, one of the things that baseball right now I think is struggling with, and this happened, uh, it, the only reason why I bring it up is because the Brewers, you know, are playing the Twins, but the right. guy who's leading the AL and has been leading the AL for most of the season and hitting is right. the first baseman on the twins. And if I tell you his last name is Arias, can you, do you know his first name? I believe it's Luis, isn't it? It is. I so, wouldn't have known that. I'm only going to say, I know that because I went and saw the twins here and I was looking at their stats a few days before I saw them. And I saw that guy was leading the American league and hitting. And I thought, I have no idea who he is. Yeah, I, you know, so so yes, I know his first name now, but I wouldn't have known it a month ago if you'd asked me. I yeah. only know it because I thought, wow, this guy's got a heck of a batting average. I should probably know something about him. Yeah, I mean that happened to me because I was, you know, I was doing what I think most normal people do. I was yeah. looking at uh, the baseball season stats leaders on. <laughs> oh, I've <laughs> I've done it too, no yeah. doubt. So maybe most normal people don't, but I have. It's a good way to catch up. It's not like because stats don't seem to matter as much anymore. Like every now and again, I'll look and be like, "Who is leading the league in batting average, yeah. and RBI, and wins, things like that?" Yeah, I mean, basically, the people seem to care about the home run chase, and can anyone Somewhat. get to sixty? Can Otani yeah. get to sixty? Basically, can Otani get? Yeah, yeah. But like, okay, if you ask me right now, who's got the most home run? Is it Aaron Judge this year? I know he's had a great year. 
I believe. Is he leading the league in home runs? I believe it is, although I haven't checked, so maybe I should look now. He was at one time, but I'm not sure if he still is. Uh, let's see. The regular season batting leaders, home run leaders, Judge at 30, Schwarber right. at 28, uh, Jordan Alvarez, 26, Riley, 25, oh. Trout, 24. Okay. So, you know, like, okay, probably a lot of people would know who Aaron Judge is because he plays for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how Austin many people could, could tell you who Alvarez is? I mean, mm-hmm. I know, you know, I know who he is and I know he plays for the Astros, but like, and, he, and, and I read Jason Stark's thing, you know, that, oh, he's probably the MVP of the AL through the halfway point of the year and he's going on all these stats and stuff. Like, honestly, I didn't even know he was having a great year. Yeah. I, I mean, I know he's good, but I was kind of surprised by apparently how great he's been. Well, it's, I mean, the other thing is you read the stuff about, like, the RBI leaders this year, who are not the home run leaders until you get to judge who's fifth right. in RBIs. But Alonzo, okay, he's won two home run derbies, so you know him. Jose Ramirez sure. has gotten, you know, a fair bit of pub lately on ESPN.com, uh, but I don't know how many people care about the MLB page headlines. Uh, yeah, agreed. And then agreed. I mean, the number three guy, CJ Crone, who who I never would have guessed. Yeah, I'm looking at it now uh, as we're talking. But yeah, like I mean, I know who he is. I know he plays for the Rockies because I just went and saw the Rockies here on Sunday. Um, but that's one that probably, if you'd asked me ten days ago, who does CJ Crone play for, I would have had a choice of maybe twenty possible teams. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you the worst one is. If you scroll down to stolen base leaders, oh, I, man. Who, I who follow baseball don't know who the top two guys are. Me neither. I, I, I so I'm looking at ESPN app where it doesn't say their first names, just their first initial. Yeah, I don't know their first names. No, me me neither. And I watched an Orioles game a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it was the Sunday. Yeah. It was the Peacock Sunday game. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. The Orioles who were hot. Yeah, they're five hundred now. They're but, you know playing decent ball. Yeah, but you have to get to Julio Rodriguez for me yeah. to know one of these guys. One of these guys, I know. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stolen bases is such a such a relic of a you know game that feels like it's a completely different game than what we watch now because the movement is such a irrelevant part of the game. It feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, twenty seven stolen bases leading the league at the All Star break. I, I, I could be wrong, but I mean, in, it, like when we were kids, uh, all-star break leaders would Ricky have would what, do 50 that in or a month. 60, wouldn't they? Yeah, Ricky could do that in a month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the single season record for stolen bases that Henderson has? It's it's over 100, I isn't it? I think it's 105. Yeah, I thought so. So, I mean, like it's, it's crazy how marginal that part of the game is. And then, you know, you get to pitchers and I saw there was a story on ESPN recently about, you know, the, the, you know continued devaluing of starting pitching and man do i feel it like i've gone to several games lately and you know like sunday i went to see the d-backs two days before i look up who the starter was going to be d-back says undecided like man you know like it used to be that was part of what you look forward to who the starting pitchers are and i was like "Ah, i don't know we'll figure it out might be a guy who only throws a couple innings it's like i don't know and it doesn't matter (laughs) it really feels like it doesn't yeah yeah i mean that's and that's why Kershaw and, uh, you know, Verlander this year, too, it's like they're like a remnant of a day gone by where, like, the starting pitcher, the ace starter was important. 
Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't feel like there's many of those anymore. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I, I will say I, I have learned to appreciate now there are new things in baseball to watch that are the little things like, you know, you used to watch the catcher run down to back up first on ground balls. Right. And that's, that's kind right. of a bygone thing. We don't really do that anymore, mm-hmm. but I saw on Twitter and it was like a good catcher plays or something, but yeah. it was a ball full count guy running on the pitch. I think there was one out big shift on for a lefty pull hitter Yeah, uh, ball outside and the Reds catcher, Tyler Stevenson did not throw the ball back to the pitcher, but started jogging toward third base because the runner would have had the, would have made a big turn at second. And yeah. Had a, interesting. If, if he had thrown it back to the pitcher would have gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I didn't see that, but uh, yeah, the different, the different strategy you have to employ for now because mm-hmm. that is going out next year, right? The shift. Yeah. Is that a sure thing? It seems to be. I mean, although with baseball off season, nothing is ever. Who knows? Yeah. But which I, you know, we've discussed this, I think some, and I'm, I'm more and more convinced that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I, I didn't like it, but nobody's adjusting the whole, like, Oh, guys will adjust. They're not, they're not adjusting. And, and you got to do something. And so, you know, if you want to throw in an illegal defense rule like basketball has, okay, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Well, and it's also the, um, you know, frankly, they'll figure out a different way to shift. They'll move the out, they'll play the shortstop in shallow, you know, right. shallow center. And right, right, yeah, which is fine, you know, I mean, hey, to every rule, then, you know, teams figure out how to take advantage, I mean, it happens in football all the time, yeah, you know, there's, there's a rule a point of emphasis, and then it's like, well, they figured out a way around it, or they figured out how, okay, great, but, you know, it, it is, I mean, you want to speed the game up, and you want to have more movement and more, you know, contact, uh, that's a way to do it. You know, the constant delay in the game while infielders realign and, you know, it's like, ah, oh, just get, you know, get to the pitch, man. So I, again, at first I was against it. As time has gone on, I've thought like, yeah, do it. I don't need to see the infielders moving every single freaking pitch. Like, you know, like when I, when I grew up, the second baseman stood where the second baseman stood and baseball was pretty darn good back then. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. The one... I, I would almost be okay if they did the shift, but if they said, but you have to, that's it then. That's how it is. You don't get to you like, move around third, in batter. You don't get to put your third baseman there. And then with one strike, it's your shortstop. And then with that's two it. strikes, it's yeah, your third exactly. Baseman. I agree. I agree that, you know, Oh, it's a one, two count. Now the third baseman moves over and it's like, Oh my God, man. I, you know, like what, I just I know nuance is important in baseball, but this is this is nuance that's hard to get into. It, you know, it just it doesn't feel like it's anything I can. I have no feeling about it. I have no emotion tied into. Oh, look at that! They're moving the third baseman over to between first and second. Like I don't care, man. Just throw the pitch and hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Works for me. So we'll see. We'll see on that, I guess. But anyway, we've we've. Uh, We've talked more baseball than 
maybe either one of us expected, but it's always fun. Check mm-hmm. in on the baseball happenings. At least we're having a season. Yeah. It was just a few months ago that we both wondered, like, would the season have even started by now? So, mm-hmm. you know, all in all, we're ahead of the game. Yeah. It turns out they had enough money to, to yes. play. It was enough money to be worth it to play. <laughs> yes. Because, yes. you know, and, the owners were, were content to just not play. Uh, it felt that way, yeah, yeah. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a full season. We're gonna have 162 games. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, it's 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 good. It's good. You know, like this is this is the time of year, especially for someone like me, that you know, having nightly baseball scores to follow keeps you going because there's no basketball, there's no hockey. We're not at football yet, so mm-hmm. this is where you know I, I may not be that invested in that many games, but it's just it's just fun to check scores. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I just like, you know, throwing on MLB Network and getting to see for sure. stuff. Not, for sure. Not, I mean, uh, I turned it on this morning yeah. while I was working. Watched some of the Mets and the Braves. Yeah. Early morning game. It's better than Major League 3 back to the minors. Yes, it is. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, hey, it's uh, that's not a ringing endorsement for what Major League Baseball offers us right now. But, you know, it's, it's an endorsement. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey, look, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about more. Yes, we will. And uh, it'll be sports and sports adjacent. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's Ben, Matt, Sportscast.